Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, I am super excited because I have had many great pleasures in this game, but today we're going to talk to one of my favorite people on the whole planet. Today I have Narelle Gostre on the line, and Narelle is someone who's has been out in the trenches creating societal change and gender equity for a better world. She's been a pivotal mover in the WBSC circle, currently working as part of the Women's Baseball Commission, providing advice, direction on the development of the Women's Baseball Program on an international platform. Uh, for years, she's been an integral part of the Australian Emeralds programs. She's spent many years working the World Children's Baseball Fair. She's a, been a TED Talker. She's mentored hundreds and hundreds of not only Australian young girls and women, but women from all the, all over the world uh, through baseball. She's currently working in violence prevention, providing and managing a diverse range of domestic and family violence programs in urban and remote communities, including the No More Campaign, our men's behavioral change in domestic violence counseling, men's healing groups and family advocacy support services. So please stick around because we have a very impactful show. You guys need to hear what she's got to say. Baseball Nomad Podcast. On this podcast, we take a deep dive into the international game of baseball and softball. Every week on the show, we will talk with coaches and players from around the world where we'll discuss preparation, motivation, and building a consistent mental process for those high-leverage, high-stakes situations. If 90% of the game is mental, we need to stop giving everything a physical remedy. Stick around for your host. He's played and coached professionally on five different continents and won 12 different national championships he's the original baseball nomad some call him the hit doctor but heck you can just call him coach ab First, my remember the Titans moment. Honesty? You want honesty? All right, honestly, I think you're nothing. Nothing but a pure waste of God-given talent. You don't listen to nobody, man. Why should I give a hoot about you? Huh? Or anybody else out there? You want to talk about a waste? You the captain, right? Right. Captain's supposed to be the leader, right? Right. You got a job? I have a you job. You been doing your job? I've been doing my job. I'm supposed to wear myself out for the team? What team? No, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look out for myself and I'm going to get mine. See, man, that's the worst attitude I ever heard. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. Now, the horrific events in Atlanta and the general rising of crimes against Asians in the U.S. is horrible to see. I mean, we're blaming innocent Americans who are just trying to survive like anyone else for something they had absolutely nothing to do with. It's insane. I've had the pleasure and the fortune of living, working with and learning from people who come from these rich cultures that exist in in Japan and Vietnam, Korea, China, Malaysia, Thailand, Singapore, Indonesia, Taiwan. 
Each of these countries that I've been to and lived in is a world of beauty on its own. I personally would not be the same without having had those experiences where I was able to witness and learn from different people and on a different take on life and in baseball. Heck, my wife is half Vietnamese and, you know, I've been welcomed in Vietnam. We had a war with Vietnam. I've been warmly welcomed in Hanoi with open arms. I currently live in China, and obviously most of my work colleagues are Chinese. To be honest, I wouldn't be able to function here without them. Listen, hate has no place at the table. I'm personally beyond angry. I'm beyond heartbroken and way too tired of talking about racism. But more importantly, I'm tired of experiencing it and seeing others go through the same bullshit. I think we all saw this coming, given the history of violence against minorities and the rising reckless rhetoric since last spring. The murder of George Floyd in 2020 was hopefully the catalyst for deconstructing anti-black racism in the workplace. The shocking hate crime in Atlanta last week hopefully may be the catalyst needed to acknowledge that there's widespread hate and violence targeting the Asian, American, and women. Look, guys, I'm American. You can go back and look at my record. I served in the U.S. military. I'm a Gulf War veteran. I put my ass on the line for the country. I have an opinion on this. Guns are part of the problem. Mental health is part of the problem. Entitled groups are part of the problem. Self-centeredness is part of it. Lack of education is a big part of it. And of course, racism and bigotry is at the core. The biggest issue in my mind is denial and complacency. It's time. It's time we all take a stand and say no more. When it comes to humanity and equal rights, there's no nationality. There's no race. There's no gender. We all have to be better. So awesome, awesome to be back. I'm with one of my favorite people in the world, my sister. <laughs> There's a story behind that, folks. Uh, Narelle Gostre. Narelle, how are you today in, in uh, the Northern Terry, t- Territory, rather, Darwin? Hey, AB. I'm doing well. It's just beautiful and warm up here. And, you know, big hello to you, my brother from another mother. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Man, so, you know, this uh, our show, uh, the tagline is... How far would you go for the love of the game? Now, in my mind, you are a true baseball nomad as well, uh, in your own right. Um, you've been involved in so many aspects of the game, many years with the world-renowned uh, Australian Emeralds program, uh, Children's Baseball Fair, uh, as well as your role with the WBSC. Um, I know you're part of the Women's Baseball Commission. All these things... Tell me, tell us something that we might not know about Norell. So I'm guessing you want something that's not baseball related. Um, I've actually been thinking about this one all day and there's so many things I could tell you, but um, I'm not sure I want them to go out to the rest of the world. But um, probably the, 
the, the main kind of fun thing is that um, aside from baseball, I'm also a wildlife carer. So I get great opportunities to, uh, to hang out with really cute little wallabies, which are like, you know, little kangaroos, cute little mammals and, you know, feed them from a baby and, and then rest, release them. And that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. Wow. Wow. Now, listen, you know, I've always wanted to go to the Northern Territory, but I'm afraid of what, you know, I've heard of uh, saltwater crocodiles. You're not hanging out with, with those sort of uh, beasts, are you? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that you've been listening to Simone Wern for too long. If you think that there's crocodiles in our, in our backyard and in the, uh, in the pool, but um, we do hang out with them a fair bit. We, uh, we go fishing. That's another, you know, little known fact. We, we go fishing a lot. I was just out on the weekend and, um, you know, we, the big thing we say about the, the crocs up here, as long as the boat's bigger than the croc, you're pretty safe. Oh, my goodness. You guys are brave. <laughs> you guys are brave. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so, yeah. You, so you mentioned Simone. I'm, I, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with you and Simone Warren, who's a Hall of Famer. I'm interested to know what you think, because I know we've been to some pretty interesting spots together. Uh, we're talking about Jakarta. Oh my God, that's the story. That first time we met in Jakarta. <laughs> that's a story. That's a whole new. That's a whole podcast just on that one. That one trip. Uh, it makes me chuckle just thinking about you coming off the team bus and uh, in in that moment. Uh, but we've been to, to Bali to <laughs> three hours later. Yep, that was a lot of fun. Bali was great. Right. Uh, Japan, we've been to Korea together, Hong Kong, uh, and, and Florida. What, what are some, like, some other you know, exciting places around the world that you know, during your, your, your in fulfilling all these different roles that you have, uh, what, what are some other uh, exciting places that you've had a chance to visit on the back of baseball? Yeah, well, um, I was fortunate enough that like, my first Australian team I actually got to go and play in Canada. And then, and the U.S. So you know, we'll call them exciting because they're the home. You know, USA and the Americas are the home of baseball. But um, probably India was another really exciting place. I was over there a couple of years ago, and I got to um, got to get involved with a local club, and they were really keen um, to have me come out and do some coaching with their kids. There was you know young boys and girls who were just you know so enthusiastic about the game, but with such little opportunity you know such little space um no equipment uh so I get to I got to go out there and really hang out with with all these kids in India and it was one of the you know one of the most gratifying experiences I've ever had well I, I yeah I know how that feels like I got you know a couple of years ago I went down to uh South Africa and I was uh working in some of the townships and man these kids had nothing like you know they showed up to practice with no shoes on their feet but they were keen they were so keen and I imagine India uh, with the sort of enthusiasm and whatnot. What's your favorite place, though? Where, where's you know? Obviously, we can't. You haven't been able to travel with COVID uh, the past year. But what's the place where you know you go? Oh my God, I can't wait to get back. Yeah, it's Japan, without a doubt. Without a doubt, I love it. I've been there, you know, a good hand, couple of handfuls of time. I was talking to my partner Brad the other night, and I said, you know, for you because he's not a baseballer. Um, where would you want to go? And he was like, Japan. And I'm like, okay, all right. It's straight back on top of the list. And um, I, you mentioned the World Children's Baseball Fair. I was supposed to go over there last year except for COVID. And, um, you know, there's a tiny little chance that it'll go ahead this year. 
Um, and if it is, I'll I'll be there there in a flash. If all the all the quarantine and vaccines line up, I'd, I'd love to get back there. Yeah, so that's one where you're like, pick me, pick me, Japan. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> but also, um, without COVID, would have um, would have added um, Laos and and Mexico to the list last year, which is both were was super exciting. I had my flights booked to Laos um, and was going like the next week, and then COVID hit and everything just got cancelled instantly so that was a shame that they were really keen to have to develop their women's baseball program and i was really keen to go help them yeah yeah that that would be a, a blast of a trip i'm sure i you know i love japan as well i just don't like getting my ass kicked all the time <laughs> every time i go there I, we, they're so good uh women's game men's game they're so good and you just end up getting beat <laughs> Right. And so for me, I, you know, I, I have this running joke where basically, uh, you know, I, I go to the train station early in the morning just to see the imperfections because they're perfect on the field. So I got to find something that I can go, OK, well, they're they're just as just as kooky as we are at, 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 in some points. Uh, but uh, listen, so all your traveling, you know, all the places, what who, who are some of the notable people that you've come across? I, I know there's been a couple of times where you've come back from stuff. And you've emailed me and gone, yeah, you know, I met, you know, this guy that knows you, like Rick Haler or uh, Eduardo, uh, you know, some guys that, that I know that I came up with. Uh, what, who are some of the, the people in your mind that you go, man, I can't believe I met that, that person? Uh, so I think I mean, one of the big things about baseball in general is that I would have to say I've met so many, like so many of my closest friends through baseball. Um, but in terms of notable people that other people would know or would be inspired by, I think Janine Lesko tops the list of that. So she was a, an all-American girl who played in the original league of their own that, um, was made famous by, by the movie. And she played in the first women's professional league in the, in the U S and she's, um, she's still one of the most amazing, you know, players. She'll still get up there. She's, um, well into her seventies now and she'll still get up there and she'll have an at bat. And, um, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't take anything from anyone and she just, she just keeps on going and she's just an amazing inspirational woman. And I'm absolutely, you know, um, you know, humbled and, and grateful to be able to call her my friend. We've had so many beautiful baseball experiences around the world. You know, some of those ones that we already mentioned, you know, Hong Kong and, and the U S and Japan, you know, she's, she's been there and she's been there alongside of us. So She's um she's an inspiration to me, and I hope when when I'm her age and, and and older, I'm still out there, you know, having a go. So she's um she's one of the keys. But I think you, again, you mentioned the World Children's Baseball Fair, and I think one of the biggest surprises of my you know my baseball history was to be in the same room, well, actually the same um the same restaurant with ten of us who were just invited to go and have dinner with Sadahara O. Oh, and Hank Aaron, who are the, you know, world famous Japanese and American home run legends, to be able to sit there with the two of them, um, you know, intimate little uh, restaurant with two tables in it and um, just, you know, 10 of us World Children's Baseball Fair coaches to, to meet those two is, you know, probably the highlight of my baseball career. Wow. I'm sure. That's like royalty. I'm, how many home runs together, those guys? Holy moly. That's incredible. Totally. <laughs> I think they'd be like 1,500 plus, you know. That's a lot of home runs, yeah. How old is Lesko, by the way? 
I don't know if I should ask that. Is that rude? Is it, is, I don't know. It's... Yeah, I, I think it is rude. Not supposed to ask, but you know. My bad, my bad. And I'm really bad with ages. No. Well, the funny thing is I'm really bad with ages. So most people are the, you know, forever after I meet them, they're the same age as when I first met them. So I know a lot of 15-year-olds that are going on 40. <laughs> and um, I still think of them as like, are you still are you old enough to drive? Are you allowed to be out here? Are you allowed to do this? So I know, you know, I know Les goes well into his 70s and it may be a bit older than that. But, you know, we, I, I'm not going to go there. You know, you, you call me out. You're right. But, you know, so I said, you know, I asked because I remember the last time I seen uh, uh, Lesko, she was, you know, she was doing cannonballs uh, in a pool. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, who does that? At You know, I mean, who does that? Lesko. <laughs> Lesko, Yeah. And she lives by the, the mantra of, you know, you might, what is it? You might grow old, but you never grow up. And I think it's a, it's a good, uh, it's a good thing to live by. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. So, yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, the all American girls, obviously, you know, the, the first women's professional league, uh, the game, the women's game has come a long way. Um, as far as, you know, popularity now, uh, around the world, Japan with its own professional league. Um, I, there's talk of there being a, a professional league in Australia. There was talk of a professional league, women's professional league in Venezuela uh, the last few years. Um, why do you think uh, Australia has always been in that sort of forefront in terms of uh, uh, women's development in baseball? Yeah, it's a really good question. And um, I'll I'll be honest, when you were talk when you asked me that earlier and said that was one of the things you were gonna talk about, uh I wasn't I was actually on a, gonna go down a complete different track. But what I what I realized when I was thinking about it a little bit is we were really fortunate back in like the early nineties, uh, that another of the all American girls, uh, Pepper uh Pear Davis, came out to in to Melbourne and it was before I was involved in, in baseball, it was a year before. But um, somebody somebody got her out and really made um, a big promo around it, and that launched that launched the women's league in in Melbourne in 1994. And they had something like 30 teams, 30 women's teams going around in that first first year, and that set Victoria up um, as a state to be an absolute powerhouse for you know a good 10 years or so. Um, and, and so in terms of, you know, where did it come from and why that's, that's a big factor. I think it was set up well and it was promoted really well. And then over the years, some of the other States have, have come on board, but, um, you know, the other thing we have to be really, we have to acknowledge is that in Australia, we, we, as women, we get a lot more opportunities in other countries and, um, you know, a lot of these women and girls that were playing in those early nineties were, had maybe been playing in boys teams. Um, some of them, you know, some of them came across from softball, but some of the girls playing then had either um, been playing in boys baseball teams or, or may have been playing in indoor cricket teams. And so the catch and throw factor was already there. And and that's because women were allowed to play sport in Australia. You know, we've been allowed to for many years. Um, there's still the, the same kind of thought that, you know, baseball and cricket are, are men's games and softball is the women's game. But, you know, that's really changing. So. You know, I think I think there's a lot of factors that went into it, but I think you know we're also lucky to be part of what we call the lucky country. 
Mm, mm. You know, so it's really funny. As I, when I first came over to uh, Australia as an import player, uh, I think uh, it was 2001. Uh, and, you know, I was just coming over because, man, I wanted perpetual summer. You know, it was getting cold in the north and, I, you know, I just wanted to stay warm. And you haven't moved to Darwin yet. <laughs> Right, right, right. Uh, but I, I actually was playing in Canberra, and I, you know, during the uh, Christmas break, there's always a Christmas break in in, uh, in Australian baseball, a few weeks off during the Christmas holiday, and it, I took the opportunity to go from Canberra to uh, to Victoria to see the twelve, the the iconic twelve apostles, right? So I, I'm I'm rolling around with a couple of other imports in this uh, this uh, you guys call them camper vans. And, you know, we're just stopping anywhere, you know, having a barbecue or having a surf or whatever. Right. And uh, on the highway, I saw the famous stadium in Melbourne, the baseball uh, uh, field in Melbourne. In Altona. Yeah. Uh, Altona. And, and I and I and I, I'm, I'm looking and I'm like, it looks like someone's playing, you know, and I go in, we go in and and there's a women's game going on. Right. This is 2000, 2001. There's a women's game going on. And. Honestly, I didn't know women played baseball, right? I, not even America. I didn't, you know, I, I knew of the history of women playing baseball. But when I sat and watched this game, I was like, holy moly, they could beat us. You know, it was just a well-played game. And I was like, man, they can beat us, right? Right? It just stuck with me. Like, man, I, I just saw that. I just saw these girls get after it and a good quality game. And everywhere I went, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I would say that I was like, man, I saw some of the best baseball on a drive through Melbourne. Right. And I just thought you guys were so uh, well ahead of everyone because I didn't even know anyone else was playing. But then, you know, later on, you know, I would, you know, see all these uh, different different countries and whatnot and, you know, the different levels of, uh, of women's baseball. And, and still, you know, I mean, I, I say it right now. I think, you know, if the Emeralds were to come out to China where I'm at right now, they probably could beat all three of our developmental teams of, you know, prospects just because, you know, they're good. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, look, another um, uh, issue that I know, I, I know it's near and dear to your heart uh, is the No More campaign uh, that was started by Charlie King. Can you share with our listeners uh, a little bit about what it is, No More, and uh, how you got involved? Sure, love to. Uh, so, No More is a, is a program around developing awareness and re to reduce family and domestic violence, which is a big issue all around the world. It's a big issue in Australia. In Australia, one in four women have been affected by domestic and family violence, and um, that that stat's got to change. Like one one woman a week gets killed by a man in Australia who's who's known to them, in, intimately known to them. And it's just not okay. So um, Charlie, uh, around 2006, 2008, he went down to a remote community um, where there are some Aboriginal elders down there and he was, he was talking to the men about, you know, what were the issues there. And they said, they told him that one of the issues was, was domestic violence. And one old man came up to him and said, Charlie, Charlie, we have to say no more. And he waved his finger at Charlie and he said, no more. And Charlie went, to another uh, another community just after that and said you know we were down at this one and uh, we were talking to the men down there and they said they wanted to end family violence what do you say about that and this another old man in, in this community came up to him and said well we all have to link up 
all men should link up and say no more to family violence. And from there, Charlie just said, well, this is, you know, this is where we need to go with this. And Charlie's a sports commentator, an absolute mad sports fan. And so he came up with the idea of linking arms at, at sporting um, activities, which, you, you know, you've seen now that the Emeralds have done that for, for many years. So um, he came up with the idea of, of linking arms to say no more to, to family violence. And he started spreading that throughout the Northern Territory and then, and then Australia and, and now the world. So um, a few years back, just before you and I met, um, and, and the reason we met, is that we had, as part of the Australian women's national team, the Emeralds, we had a, an opportunity to go to Indonesia and, and do a program that had kind of three, three components to it. One was to, to help our Australian girls get an opportunity to, to train um, and work together as a team. One was to inspire and develop young leaders in Indonesia and promote girls playing baseball in Indonesia. And the third one was to spread the word that we want to stop family and domestic violence so um our first trip over to indonesia where, where we met you um we had charlie king with us who was just basically talking to the local people about the issues that we face in australia and asking the question you know do you see that here what do you see here and we got the same responses that we get in australia is that we see it and it's not okay but when we don't know how to change it so no more campaign is very much about um about working with communities to find out what the issues are around family violence and work with them to come up with solutions. Um, so, yeah, I, I uh, got involved with Charlie with that about, yeah, five, six years ago now. And then two years ago, the opportunity came up for me to actually work for No More. And so now um, now it's my full-time job. Um, I also look after a whole bunch of other violence prevention programs and men's behaviour change, domestic and family violence programs safe houses and and a couple of other things so it's a, it's a pretty big job but um it's it's making a difference in the world and that's the thing that really really drives me every day right i mean it, it's powerful stuff because you know i mean uh being you know having the opportunity to work with you guys uh, you and charlie when you guys came down to indonesia and you know that being a uh you know a, a predominantly sort of muslim country where women generally you know are uh placed in a, a different sort of role than, you know, they, their counterparts in the U.S. to see, you know, these sportsmen link up arms and get the message was pretty powerful, man. Yeah, it really was. And we were we were kind of warned off a little bit from, from some angles about, you know, don't go out and, and shame the men. And we, and that was never never our plan or never our intent. But as you know, one of the, the fun things we did, which was really powerful, was have our Australian Emeralds team, um, not, the, not actually full team, but these up-and-coming players and some of our leaders of the team um, playing against the local men's teams. And, um, you know, quickly touching on that, that very first game that we played, uh, as you'll remember, you know, we, we played that game. The Emeralds were behind by about six runs and um it kind of looked like it was kind of a you know this is what is this really all that they can do and they come off a, a three-hour bus ride and coming into the the fourth or fifth innings they just they they woke up and they came alive and and we won that game that first game against the men's team and um I, we were a little bit nervous about it and, and the coach of the other team who was like a 70 year old traditional indonesian male he came up to me after the game and he and I was wondering what he was gonna say and he looked at me and said, 
can you help us improve our pitches? And right then and there, that's where I knew that the program was going to make a difference because he watched us play. He could see that we could play and he knew that we could help him and we could help their, their program grow. And um, from there, what was really funny is that the next thing he said to me was, and can we play you again? You know, because we'd beaten them that first time. So, you know, give us another chance. So we ended up playing them twice more. And uh, again, what's really cool about that is the, you know, that first time we beat them, the second time they beat us, and the third time was a draw. So you really can't ask for a better outcome from that. And uh, it was a, it was a really, you know, I guess, great example of how you can make change, seismic change, very easily and very quickly with just small, small shifts. Yeah, look, Narell, I totally, totally agree. Uh, so obviously, you know, family violence or violence against against women is not exclusive to Indonesian communities. Um, earlier in, in the show, I kind of got fired up in my remember the Titans moment, uh, if you will, about some of the recent stuff that's happened in uh, Atlanta and the Asian community and some of the protests that's happening in the UK at the moment. The, the question I want to ask you is how can men uh, specifically in, in our baseball community be agents for societal change and, and gender equality. You know, now, you know, it's not so weird to, to see women playing baseball, for example, or to see women playing cricket or to see women playing football. Uh, but how can we do a better job? I guess, uh, I guess to start, I obviously need to take the opportunity to acknowledge that there are a lot of men who are really supportive of, of women not just playing baseball, but, you know, there's a lot of good men out there. So this is not about um, saying that men need to, you know, well, yeah, men do need to do more, but I just, I do want to acknowledge that there are a lot of good men out there and it's the ones that aren't so good that we, that we need to work on. And they're the ones that are going to be really hard to change. Um, but I think one of the big things, uh, which is a combination of sport and, career and and just society is that we have to stop real we have to start realizing that words matter um you know in in the locker room if you're talking about women in a derogatory manner but then you go out and you go on a nice date and bring her flowers it, it it's not real you know and the the most important thing is to um is to realize that it's not just a joke if you ha- if you're putting a woman down or you're saying, you know, she should be in the kitchen, or it's it's not okay to say that, even as a joke. And a lot of the times in, in the past, women have had to bite their tongue because if we react to that, we we get told, you know, you've got to lighten up, it's just a joke, we don't really mean it. Well, if you don't really mean it, don't say it. Don't say it to start with. And the, the men that really respect women don't. And so if you look at the next level of where the men that are saying that and then trying to say, well, it doesn't really count. Well, they maybe need to have a little bit of a look at themselves. I think, um, that that's probably my thoughts for tonight. Um, because it's, it's the words, you know, we, I guess we talk a lot about, uh, historically about domestic and family violence being physical violence, but we're more and more realizing that the physical violence is actually, the result of a lot of what we call coercive control which is the the verbal um the verbal stuff the emotional uh blackmail the gaslighting um 
a lot of those just really unpleasant things that that people do to try to manipulate and control people and one of my very good friends recently she came out and she spoke uh of how her how bad it was for her and how hard it was for her and she she kind of said you know bones heal bruises fade but the words keep replaying in your head and that's if there was one thing i could ask of men is to just stop saying the stuff um but to realize that the words matter and not only should should people be kind to each other and and speak to each other nicely but if you hear somebody who's not treating women well or not speaking nicely about women as a man we ask that you you call that out and i think that's what's going to make the biggest change is men calling out other men who are behaving badly you're right we all should be capable of doing that Obviously, this past year with the COVID-19 situation and international baseball leagues, seasons, tournaments, everything around the world, baseball-wise, grounding to a halt. Also, all the work that you've been doing uh, on these campaigns uh, against uh, family violence. Is there something that kind of worries you or keeps you up at night? <laughs> um, plenty. is. I mean probably the biggest thing is being able to make as much change as possible and I want to do everything now and that's you know when you're working with something that is such a ingrained social uh, dynamic change doesn't come quickly so um, trying to work out what works is probably what keeps me up at night and, and keeps me thinking about you know what else can we do um, one of the things Charlie says is um you know, always reflecting on what are you doing, why are you doing it, and what difference does it make? And I, and I guess I just keep coming back to that. You're one of the most positive people I've known in the game. Um, yeah, I mean, tell me, in your opinion, is there a lesson that we can all learn from this, this COVID-19 situation? Uh, there's probably a few. Um, it, you know, it's been a tough situation for people in so many different ways and you know people have gone through it and had different experiences and I, I, even as I'm saying this I think what we probably need to, to learn from it is everybody's experience is different you know I've been sitting up here in Darwin and we haven't had a COVID case uh, but I know people and people close to me that have had family losses and friends losses through COVID and have had lockdowns and shutdowns and it affects us all differently and we have to I think it's just come back to being kind and and realizing that um, everybody experiences this differently and if you if you bring that back to baseball you're, you're out there on the field and and it might look like it's one game going on but it's not there's nine players out on that field and they're all playing their own game they're doing it as a team but where they've come from and where they've been and their thought process and you know some who's been in their ear and and how you know how they responded before that's all playing out for them and so as a coach or as a as somebody who's developing a team you have to understand from where they're all coming from and you have to you have to give them that space to be them and and to let them be them and then bring them together and that's your job as a coach or a team manager to bring together all those people that have had those different experiences, which might look the same on the surface. We all went through COVID on the surface, 
but underneath it we all did it differently and we came out different people because of it so I think that's you know just talking that through now that's that's my message is that just understand that people come through things differently and meet them where they're at that's the most important thing meet them where they're at wow that's powerful that is really great uh, it kind of reminds me of something I've been working on popcorn players uh, you know popcorn it, you know it all goes in the same same oil everything but they pop at different times right that's powerful Narelle. yeah is there a, a yeah. like a, a personal inspirational or motivational quote that that you know you kind of that you could share with us that you kind of live by or that helps you when, when things are a bit rough or, or tough? Yeah. I've actually just recently got some personalized stationery done with, with my, my quote or my, my own saying. Um, and, uh, you know, over the years I've always loved hearing other people's sayings and, and what they live by and what they stand by. And, and a couple of years ago um, I was in a pretty tough situation. Um, I wasn't very well and, I, you know, I, I wasn't, I just wasn't in a good place. And, um, while it, while I was not in that good place, I had another friend who was also not in a good place. And I just said to her one day, um, and I wrote this down and I, I took a photo of it and I sent it to her and I said, you don't fall down because you're weak. You get back up because you're strong. And that's how I live. And that's what I live by. And that's how I think everybody should live. That's awesome. Awesome stuff. Narelle, it's always a pleasure, sister, talking to you. Uh, is, is, is there a place where, you know, uh, people can reach you, um, your, your social media contacts or details? Yeah. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm pretty public on Facebook. I've got a LinkedIn profile, um, which is just Narelle Gostre. Uh, I've got Instagram. I'm pretty all over social media and obviously they could always connect through you and and come through through to me through that way i'd love for people to reach out um i think that's one of the joys of this game is that people reach out from all over the world and, and good people connect with good people and i guess that's how i met you and we've stayed connected all these years so um you know you've been a good friend and i love seeing what you're doing and you're always like you say i'm one of the most positive people going around well I take my hat off to you because you take it that step further and, you know, I just love listening to you and being around you and, you know, just hanging out. I wish we could do it more often. Well, I miss you too. And I, you know, I can't wait to, uh, all this madness is over and I can come down to, uh, uh, Darwin and get some barbecue. Tell Brad to, to, to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that was my other little known thing is that, you know, the partner does, um, you know, American style barbecue and apparently his brisket rivals anything in Texas. So, you know, anybody's welcome to come on down and, and try our brisket. And one of the things I always say when I, um, you mentioned before about the World Children's Baseball Fair, I, I, I'm there every year with, uh, you know, 150 plus kids and from all around the world. And I say to them, every one of them, I say, just want to let you know that you're, we've got it, you know, at our place in Australia, it's warm all year round. We have a pool in the backyard and any of you are welcome to, to come visit anytime you want. And uh, it's been five years now and I'm still waiting on one of those kids to come, but uh, I'm sure it'll happen one day and I, I'd love to extend that to any baseballers out there. You're always welcome. Always welcome. Awesome stuff. Hey, don't be a stranger. Thanks for uh, coming on the show and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you very soon. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, A.B. Thank you. Guys, everyone, 
We can do this. No more. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you next time. And don't forget to breathe. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.